Hi, I'm Ellen Siegel, and today I'm talking with Janine Vague of Transformative Psychotherapy. So relax into your openness and enjoy this enlightening conversation. Welcome, everyone, to Enlightening Conversations. We're here again together, uh, Janine Vague. Um, and Ellen Siegel. And today uh, we're focusing on the topic of aging, which um, means a lot of things to different people and then means a lot to all of us together as human beings. So glad to be with you again, Janine. Thank you. Yes, I'm happy to be with you too. So I'm going to start off by reading a quote by Dame Judi Dench, who I absolutely, who I absolutely love. And um, so she says, one of the benefits of being a mature, well-educated woman is that you're not afraid of expletives and you have no fear to put a fool in his place. That's the power of language and experience. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> she is an amazing woman. She's been in everything from TV shows, uh, which I just love and adore, to, um, I can't think of it, As Time Goes By, that's the name of it. So she's been in these TV shows where she's the romantic lead. She's been in a movie where she was an older woman with a younger man. Um, <clears throat> she's been in a, in a movie where she's uh, completely naked. Um, I think two times she was naked and all in her senior years. And, um, and she's also been in a James Bond movie or two. So that woman is diverse and, and incredible in my book. Sounds like she's, sounds like she's comfortable with herself too. Very. Um, <laughs> oh, it occurs to me to say to uh, our viewers that anything that we say, just whatever, we're just doing this as a casual conversation, although we're both uh, have uh, strong feelings, opinions, and openness. So whatever uh, resonates with you, take what doesn't resonate with you, think about it, and then throw it out. Uh, yes. So I just wanted to say that. I agree. So I'm 59 years old. I'm going to be 60 this summer, this August. Oh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. So happy that's birthday. a long way away. I'm not 60 yet. But um, so I just wanted to say that because I think it's important to show um, our comfort level with who we are and um, how old we are. Um, because it shouldn't be something you're ashamed of. I agree. I agree. So I'm going to say to you, I am ageless. Oh, okay. My body is 72 years old. And um, uh, it seems to be in good working order. And it's my intention through any ways that come to me that I learn to keep it as a functioning vehicle. I view it as a um, biochemical and electrical um, vehicle. Okay. And uh, so uh, in these 
uh, more recent years, I've been doing whatever I can to school myself in that because <laughs> I'd like to uh, be around on the planet until I decide that I've I'm done or I've had enough and um, so and um, that's good and and you know I think it's important I've always felt like you have to take care of your body I mean I've always been that way I'm not some extreme person in the way I eat or anything like that but um, <clears throat> I've always taken care of my body through exercise um, vitamins um, I do different kinds of things like massage, um, to help deal with, uh, my profession, um, and the stress that I go through with that. Um, but I've always been a cyclist and, uh, now I'm doing spinning. Um, I swim 12 laps, uh, every week. Um, and it, it varies. I mean, I go from different types of exercises. I've done bar for a while. Um, and I've done mm. different types of yoga, everything from Hatha yoga way back when I was 15 years old to, um, Kundalini yoga, mm. um, which is a very advanced form of yoga. Um, so I've done like lots and lots of things over the year, the years, because, um, I just felt like, um, I wanted to stay healthy. And remember the last conversation we had, we I talked about my growing up with a family that was taking lots of pills and being mm. in and out of hospitals. And I didn't want to be that way in my life. And this is more to the point of, um, it wasn't just about being a holistic professional, but also about taking care of my body. So I didn't end up in and out of the hospital like what I saw mm. growing up. Mm. And, um, it just occurs to me as we're talking about this, that in the last three years, I've been um, putting myself in a situation where I could be schooled about, um, um, and this is just one element of many things, um, what uh, Paramahansa Yogananda talked about as um, scientific meditation. And there's, it's, Based on this knowing of, of ancient wisdom and knowledge um, that uh, appeals to me, that, um, that our bodies, um, that we're basically uh, energy, <clears throat> which we sort of learned in junior high and middle school, um, and that um, cells are created and they have a life where they're maintained and then they are discreated or die or destruct being replaced by new, new growth and things like that. Yeah. And so anyway, in this philosophy, um, the philosophy is to stay ahead of the 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 normal decay of one's phys physical cells uh, and that there's an actual way that this approach says you can do that which is about bringing more life force energy into your body than you would ordinarily take so you sort of stay ahead of the curve of the decaying 
Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it really appeals to me. And I don't know if it appeals to me because I'm on the planet longer. My body, according to conventional agreed upon understanding is that we're born, uh, the body ages, decays, and then you die. This other philosophy is you can keep drawing in life force energy and choose to leave whenever you want. And, you know, and maybe that's, that happens at a higher realm of consciousness that I'm not aware of. So, yeah. you know, it's an interesting idea, and I think there's lots of ideas, but nevertheless, our the common culture on the planet, and we, as a collective, we sort of all agree, have agreed that, you know, aging, the aging of the body somehow leads to death, and, um, and then we've had also, I mean, in my, in the years I've been alive, and I'm sure in other arcs, of, of time, uh, the idea of youth and how great youth is and, you know, the older you get, you know, the less uh, vim and vigor you have and um, winding down and the idea of retiring or working during your strongest years and then going easy later on. Some people have that. Some people don't have that as a luxury. Um, and then, then there's ailments and, and, and things that look like aging earlier in a person's life. You know, we hear sometimes, oh, they age, they're aging well, or, oh, they're not aging well. You know, right. it might have to do with wrinkles and what a person looks like. Yeah. And then also how you feel, you know, is it hereditary my mother told me mm -hmm. she said you know listen once you hit 30 you're going to start to feel aches and pains the rest of your life mm -hmm. and I remember inside myself I just smiled and inside myself I went no not me I'm not doing that not me <laughs> and actually she I think she must have had things that she felt in her body mm -hmm. even at 30 Mm -hmm. And that that was her experience. And does does one person's experience have to be whatever the most the quote norm experience? You know, so mm -hmm. these are the kinds of things that come to my mind when I see the term aging. Yeah, so I don't know what comes to you. Well, when I see the term aging, I think. Um, I, I'm I get frustrated that um, in our society, um, in our American society, because it's definitely not as um, prominent in Europe uh, or other continents, I think um, we are so obsessed because of celebrities with having to look a certain way. Um, and, and so we often get into a very shallow place with regard to uh, plastic surgery, of course, and um, and then it's and then and then it's a uh, when you see interviews with celebrities nowadays, it's like, oh, um, I, I I know she's had a nip and a tuck here and there, and you know, and then and they and that's what the conversation is about is talking about where do you see the plastic surgery, 
Um, and just for the record, I have no plastic surgery, um, absolutely none. I have wanted to get something done. Um, it was a medical procedure, not um, for vanity, but for my back. <laughs> um, but I won't go into that. Um, but, you know, that's the only thing I've ever really considered doing. Um, but it really was a medical reason. It wasn't um, to look like a, something different. Um, but I, so that's where, that's what I look at. And then when I look at um, aging European stars, Catherine Deneuve, you know, she was once the most beautiful woman in the world. And, and now she is a larger woman. But when I look at her, I just see umbrellas of Cherbourg. You know, I mean, I just see that young 60 year old woman, uh, it's not 60. I see that young woman in the 60s. Um, and th that's what I see because she's such a beautiful woman. Um, and Dame Judi Dench, you know, I think back, I don't think she's ever really changed too much. Um, but see these women from Europe, it's like, they know, like I'm pretty sure Catherine Deneuve is thinking, I don't care. I'm fabulously, fabulously wealthy and, and well-known. What do I care? I don't need to look a, a certain way because I'm already a well-known name and can, you know, any movie is going to sell with her in it. So, um, so, and so I think I love that, that they have so much confidence in themselves that they are not um, allowing it, allowing their age to define them. Uh, you brought up, uh, and I, I'm thinking we might end up having two of these conversations about this topic because you're bringing up really roots of things like the idea of beauty and the idea of shallow or um, another term for that is superficial. Yes, and yes. then uh, a deeper appreciation of what a what a term or a concept can mean so beauty um so and i believe uh that the view of of uh let's say american society and it's probably not good to stereotype even that but you know lots of businesses are built on it that as you get older you lose your beauty well, beauty is a term where when someone is looking at somebody's facial features mm -hmm. and says somebody doesn't look beautiful, that's a matter of um, perception. Perception. I think about that. Um, there was a Twilight Zone. I don't know if you ever saw it. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Right? In the eyes of the beholder where, you know, it was all done, you know, the taking off the bandages and the whole show was the mystery of, you know, is this plastic surgery going to work? Uh -huh. And then they take off the bandages and you look at the, the, the medical staff and by American standards, they had features that were not formed in the ways that we're used to. And the person who bandages were taken off was by American standard of beauty. Mm -hmm. And she was an outcast in this other culture. And 
you know, it was just so telling. So I think that <clears throat> the idea of, um, you know, there was that old phrase, beauty is only skin deep, mm -hmm. but really what about the beauty inside? And yeah. when we get distracted by the outside, mm -hmm. we might not see the inside. And then you could raise the question and each one of us gets to do that. Where is the real beauty and what does beauty constitute? Because in our culture, <clears throat> so fabulous businesses yeah. um, where there are employees who are making livings. You know, we need businesses to support workers. And a lot, there's the whole uh, cosmetic industry. Right. And all the wrinkle cream commercials. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the some of the people in the commercials and they don't look much over like 30. And yeah, I don't have any wrinkles at 30. Yeah, I know. You know. And then they have some older women or maybe it's people with gray hair and that makes them look older, but they have pretty good skin too. Yeah. So I don't know. I know. I, I always find it hilarious when you see a, 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 a wrinkles, a wrinkles cream um, commercial and it's some 20 year old girl in the commercial. And it's like, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think the advertisers kind of made a mistake here. <laughs> or or I, I did have the thought and maybe that maybe I was a good subject for the um, for the commercial to have an effect on me was like, hmm, I wonder if I'd started using that cream when I was 20, you know, would I have these laugh lines with it? I mean, I remember my, my grandmother used to say, Ellen, don't frown. You're frowning. You're going to get lines in your forehead. <laughs> I didn't know how to control, control my face. I, I know. know what were you that. supposed to do? Really? Uh, yeah, you don't, you don't really know what to do. I remember a commercial, um, maybe it was Jurgens. I can't remember, but... Um, it was a commercial where a mother and daughter duo, oh. you remember? Yeah, and where they had their hands. Yeah, and they put this cream on, and then they'd show you the hands, and they say, which one's the mother and which is the daughter? And, oh, I, I be, that, that commercial really affected me because I was always looking at my hands as I got older and wondering, um, I wonder if anyone would know that I'm, 30 or 40 or 50. I mean, it just, I kept always wondering about that um, because, well, that's the power of commercials, commercialism. Um, and there are some, you know, and speaking of plastic surgery, there are, living in Los Angeles for several years um, and then Santa Barbara, uh, living all over California for 30 years. But in those two areas, I saw the beginnings of crazy plastic surgery. And, um, and you, you know, I would look at these women and I would think this is an advertisement for not having plastic surgery, mm. you know, but yet it continued on and on and on that when more and more women um, just went crazy with it. But, um, and, and of course, um, and there are some males, a very famous, infamous male, that most people know about who looked like a cartoon character by the time he died. Um, and, uh, and then, um, but yeah, um, that to me, when I would see things like that, I would just think to myself, 
uh, if they've got all the money that they have and they ended up walking away looking like that, I'm sure me, a non-celebrity who doesn't have millions of dollars, is not going to be able to find, you know, anybody to be able to do something that I would want to do and have it look right. There's uh, two, two things I wanted to um, add to that. So my mother-in-law, she was a person who had very, very large breasts. Um, and in her life as a young person, I mean, I knew her later in life, but she was hunched over yeah. and very, very self-conscious. And when she was about 50, I was standing with her in her kitchen. She says, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get myself to call a surgeon because I know I have a friend who had a breast reduction operation and I really want to do that. But I, you know, I have shame and, you know, people are going to think I'm superficial. So I said, well, why don't you just make the call? That doesn't mean you're going to do it. So anyway, she made the call. She went through with it. And for her, because of her emotional yeah. relationship with herself and whatever conclu negative conclusion, demeaning, not negative, demeaning conclusion she'd made or limiting conclusion she'd made about herself growing up, but when she had this surgery, it actually, it actually lifted her out of, lifted her out of experiences that she'd had for years that she couldn't quite solve with therapy and yeah. really, um, yeah, I so get that. You never, you never know. Um, yeah. yeah. There, you know, and then there's, and then there's many people. I had a friend also who who um, had some, wanted to have something fixed with her nose, not mm -hmm. even a major thing. And the doc, it was ruined. It ruined her nose. Oh no. So then she needed to live with that and make peace with that sometime in her life. Mm -hmm. so, so sometimes um, I have seen people who have had plastic surgery, you know, to, to, make themselves look younger and things like that. And sometimes it's really, you know, yes. really, and I yes. wonder, is the person really happy? I agree. It, you know? I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's sad. Well, I imagine that the people who have the stretched out faces um, are probably pretty disappointed um, I'm sure they don't look in the mirror and think to themselves, yay, you know, I look like a, a scared cat and I'm going to look like that the rest of my life. Um, but um, I'm sure they don't think that way. And, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm not bashing them either, even though I'm being like honest about this, um, because I know that where you're at mentally to feel a need to get into this place I mean, we're both psychotherapists, so we do understand that. Um, I read a book many years ago, though, by, uh, I forget his name, but it's called Psycho-Cybernetics. Psycho you ever read that? I remember the title. It was by a plastic surgeon. It was written by a plastic, and it was mm -hmm. early in my psychology career that I read it. And, um, and we read it specifically to learn about confidence and, and, um, and that's what he was talking about. He would have his clients look in the mirror 
before the surgery and he'd say, you know, th that person is still going to be there. You're not going to be anybody different. different. You're, mm -hmm. you're just going to have a different mask on, mm -hmm. but you're still going to be the same. But your aunt, I, I, um, I can completely relate to that. Um, and um, and that that's a medical reason what she was trying to do because it's very you know I'm in the same situation so it's very painful um, you can't you're stooping over a lot uh, you can't stand up straight you can't um, it's hard on your back um, it's just very difficult so um, I can imagine that you know um, sitting up straight for the first time in her life after so many years it must have felt so easy and less painful for her after. Well, and also she was a person who was very also um, invested in her appearance. Mm. So for her, it had like the dual. Yeah. You know, which was very interesting. Well, um, I was happy for her. A lot of times when people, um, when women have, uh, defaults in some way, perceived defaults, they will try to compensate by um, having people focus up here or focus on their shoes or focus on their clothing so that you don't notice the, 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 the part that you're not comfortable with. So I think default, default, um, perceived def um, default. Say that again. Perceived default. Default, right. So that about um, about aging, that um, it's something we should try to get away from. Um, yeah. You know, um, in favor of youth and because its connotations are decline, decay, near death um you know heading toward the end of life whatever that brings up for a person unfinished mm -hmm. business not fun um you know whatever not enough time to accomplish things um yeah. because there's lots of fears that are associated fear is underneath as an association for many about yeah. aging yeah yeah and well, and let's think about if you're a single person, like I am, um, you, <clears throat> it's fearful when you're getting older and you're still a single person, you're getting gray coming through your hair. Um, and, um, and so those are the kind of things now in the, in the movie business, uh, that's the celebrities, we, we, well, here in, in, the, in America, Hollywood doesn't favor older women. And so that's where the, the push comes from in Hollywood, that women feel a need to stay looking 30 years old so they can get those parts because just not enough parts are given to older women. Unlike uh, in the foreign films, um, there's no problems with what women look like. There's no issues with getting roles uh, as an older woman in France or Italy or, you know, I mean, those countries love their women no matter how old they are. And you continue to see them in roles uh, as an older woman. 
Um, and they still carry the movie as much as they did in 1960. Like, like I said, with Catherine Deneuve and Isabel Adiani and um, uh, Isabel Hubert, uh, so many women, uh, and the men too, They're, they have no problems getting films either. But these films are about older women mm. and what mm. they go through in their life. That's why I love watching it because to me, they're role models, and it helps me um, when I watch foreign films to learn a little bit about the aging process by watching how they have adapted over the years and how how comfortable they are with their bodies and their um, and the way they look. Mm. Yeah, and there are a few uh, older actresses who get get parts in America. Yeah, Meryl Streep, right? I think of, but um, you know, not as much. And also, that's not a featured part of life that's that's validated in this country. Yes, it's not. It's not. And um, and I think that's very frustrating. I was looking at something that um, Susan Sarandon said. And she said, I look forward to being older when what you look like becomes less and less an issue and what you are is the point. Um, she hasn't had too many problems getting roles as an older woman. But I find, though, that when they do take on roles as older women, like Glenn Close has been in a few things um, as of recent, like Hillbilly Elegy, and I saw her in something else where they purposely, well, of course it was relevant for the part, but it was just interesting that they purposely made them look really bad um, <clears throat> in those roles, uh, which I think that kind of draws out that fear in women. Um, oh God, I'm gonna look like that when I become 50 mm. or 60, you know? I mean, it was relevant in Hillbilly Elegy that she looked the way she did, um, but I'm just saying a lot of times you're seeing older women in roles where they have to be doctored to look really bad or shabby. And that seems to be the only time they can be in a, in a role for an older woman. Um, and then, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, versus like Catherine Deneuve, a movie that she was in. Uh, where whenever she's in movies, um, she tends to be like a CEO um, in the movie versus being in a, in a role where she's this shabby looking person. Mm -hmm. so. um, I was just going to say in that Susan Sarandon quote, I think that that's really, I was having goosebumps when you read it. It's about where who you are is the point. What you are is, is takes more precedence, you know, um, it's more important who you are, um, what you've accomplished in life. Uh, and, and I think that is, when I think about that, I think that is so important um, as an almost 60-year-old woman now. And when I look back on my life um, and, and think about all the things that I've accomplished in my life, it's like, wow, um, I didn't do so bad. Um, and, and so... That's, that's where I feel so much pride in myself. And so, um, and have a feeling of happiness is when I can look back on my life and, and think about where I was at 20 years old 
and where I am now and all the steps that it took to get here and where I've lived and where I've traveled and so forth and so on, um, it doesn't seem so bad to me as I have accomplished a lot. If mm -hmm. I was turning 60 and um, I don't know, still living in an apartment, uh, which um, wouldn't be a big deal in a California because uh, not too many people in California can afford a house. But, um, but just thinking about doing something like that in Ohio, you can. So if I was still living in an apartment, if I was a drug addict, if I was, I don't know, if I had nothing to my name to show for myself, I mean, that would be pretty sad and depressing, I think, as I'm turning 60. Um, but because I've made use of my life and fought really hard uh, to overcome obstacles, um, to put myself through college and university, it's like, whew, I can start to relax now uh, and, and feel like some comfort that it's been worth it all these years. Mm. Mm. So, so maybe there's, I'm just thinking about, um, that, um, that to invite our viewers, whatever you've been able to accomplish, and we've all, lots of times it's, it's hard to see what we've accomplished. Um, Find you where the accomplishments are not um, as obvious, mm -hmm. and that um, that the, there's the things that we do, and there's things that we are, and there's values that we have, and um, what. And I don't know how this is related to aging as much as for people to be able to shift their focus to what you just did, Janine, to what can I appreciate about myself that I actually have lived? And um, for some of us, it shows up more on the outside. I remember once um, uh, a friend's daughter who knew that I um, was a counselor and I got paid per session rather than paid per week, um, said, oh, if that's what she gets paid for an hour, why doesn't she live in a mansion? <laughs> well, you know, only, you know, I don't work in the way where um, I have that. Um, mm -hmm. Yes, I receive per session and, you know, I put it together and uh, my way is not to live in a mansion. Someone else might. Yeah. Um, but you also so, don't work 40 hours a week making. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. So, you know, so anyone, you know, what things look like on the outside. Right. We know what it means to us. Yes. Like you so personally shared, and I appreciate that, Janine, so much, what, what the accomplishments mean to you and the, and the challenge of the work and, and the intention to, um, to bring what you could about. 
And then, you know, and I do it in my way and whoever is watching this. Uh, and like you said, in California, the meaning of an apartment in Columbus, um, mm -hmm. I know somebody who um, has sought to live in the most meager way mm -hmm. uh, in order to free them up to apply their mind or their time in some other endeavor that, yeah, you know, that's an accomplishment for them. Exactly. You know, so. Yeah, I, I was hesitating saying that because I thought to my, I, I was hesitating because I thought, okay, that's not going to, um, that's not fair to some people because, yes, you're talking about somebody who wants a very small carbon footprint. So that's not a bad thing. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's. You brought up a lot of you. Yeah. And I'm just saying to the audience that that's one, I'm another. Mm -hmm. And and for the most important thing mm -hmm. is that you look for who you are. Yes, you're going to maybe pay attention to aging. That could mean what What would you like to do with the rest of the time on, on the planet? Yeah. Um, it might mean, you know, and there are certain uh, kinds of work that a person does where they need to design what they look like in order to, you know, because this is like the way you present sometimes uh, figures in to accomplishing whatever goal um, you have. So uh, my pitch is to do it consciously rather than unconsciously. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of, you know, try not to do something that's going to do permanent limiting damage to yourself. But you know something? A person makes a choice mm -hmm. and has a right to make that choice. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, it's like some people choose um, uh, medical remedies and someone else will say, you know what? I'd rather have a shorter life and not that. And someone else will say, well, you know what? I want to have every additional minute. So mm -hmm. I'm going to choose this. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just to have our eyes as wide open as possible is my invitation. Yeah. And yeah, and I, I wasn't, well, anyway, the conversation is about taking pride in yourself. And right. Whatever right. that means to you, if you're somebody who, you know, Buddhists, that you live very frugally, or you're a nun, and um, you're going to live a certain way, but yet be very proud of yourself because, um, because you have accomplished a lot in life, and because you're living the, the way your religion, you know, as a very pious person, um, um, not having a lot of things. Right? And, and sometimes um, uh, having, ha having experienced addictions myself, that, that working your way out of an addiction mm. and getting help, mm -hmm. you know, constitutes your personal value. Mm -hmm. um, to do your best, you know, whatever conditions you find yourself in. It shows you integrity. Yeah. And, and that you have, 
no matter how badly you feel, as you're working yourself out of things, no matter how limiting and dark it, it can be, um, your value, you, you, there's a presumed value that you have at the heart of that, that has you moving in, quote, uh, a better direction. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and you still get to deal with society's view about aging and, and discrimination that you might encounter. Yes. That's right? True. That's true. Mm-hmm. All of us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so there's that. Yeah. Um, um, so, uh, okay. So we are going mostly in this direction of plastic surgery and so forth, but there's other things to talk about in the aging process. Um, I, um, I wanted to talk about menopause because I think right. That's really important for young women um, to understand what that's all about, or older women who are wondering, what can I expect? Um, And everybody's body is different. So how women go through menopause is going to be different on every single woman. Um, And whether they've had a hysterectomy, whether they've, um, there's, you know, all kinds of medical reasons why you're going to have a different experience than somebody who hasn't. But I think that's a kind of a, that can also be a fun conversation too, as to, you know, I mean, we've both finished with uh, menopause, so we're both post. Um, And so I think talking about looking back on my experience, um, there was a a time there in my late forties, early fifties, where um, I really thought I was going nuts. I mean, there were times when I could feel like I was going to kill somebody. (laughs) I mean, you know, road rage, okay, Uh, went a little berserk there um, and and a couple of incidences and and even in a parking lot. I mean, I had my fried green tomatoes moment. I didn't actually hit the car. But I had that moment uh, that Kathy Bates had in that movie where somebody was trying to ditch me in a parking space and I just suddenly went ballistic. But mostly I was screaming in my car and they had no idea what was going on. But it's just, you know, so you have those moments and then once you're relieved of all that tension um, because a certain, certain thing begins to happen, um, uh, then the next day you're like, uh, everything's coming up roses. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> so it's like those mood swings just, oh my gosh, I'll never forget those. Mm-hmm. Or sitting in my rocking chair. Oh, I'll never forget this. Um, I thought I was having a nervous breakdown and maybe I was, um, but I remember sitting in my rocking chair just rocking for hours uh, one day because I was just in some kind of a space. And so, you know, those crazy moments that now in retrospect seem ridiculous. Um, right, but hormones, hormones do send you into, you know, emotional turmoil. Yeah. Sometimes, um, yeah women have that after they've given birth. 
Um, sometimes women have that uh, through their menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, my mother had a really hard time. I mean, she had to go to bed like every month. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's hard. And, um, you know, I guess, you know, and like you said, everybody's body is different. Um, mm -hmm. I had had um, breast cancer at 45 and a, um, and surgery, and that put me into menopause. Oh, and uh, it didn't, I, you know, some people don't have as much, um, what shall I say, from pillar to post as others. Um, so I had like about, I really didn't have more than a month of really, I'll call it violent hot flashes. Ooh. But some people goes on for years. Still going and, on. <laughs> yes, yes. And, um, you know. So um, yours was just a month long. About a month or two. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and it was brought on by the surgery. I was mm. Mm. I see. I see. Yeah, my sister and I, we still go through hot flashes. And, um, sure. yeah, it can be and she had a hysterectomy so she kept she thought people had told her oh it's only going to last a year or so mm. but yeah it's been going on forever um mm. and uh and it can be difficult because you know I'll, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and just be so hot right. and flipping off the covers I mean this winter it's been kind of an incredible experience um I didn't have my blanket on it's been a more the hot flashes have been worse this winter for some reason. Um, uh, and so I haven't used a blanket all winter. Wow. Which is unusual for me. And so many times during the evening, I'm flipping the um, comforter off mm. and it'll go for, you know, a couple of minutes or a couple of seconds. I don't know. The next thing I know, I'm freezing, throw mm. it back on again. Uh, my sister has to put a fan in her room because she's... Uh, right, right. She gets them a little bit worse. She can't handle the heat as much as I can. So um, she's got a fan she has to get up and turn on and turn off several times at night. Mm, mm. Some women get night sweats. I've never oh, yeah. experienced that. That was awful. Yeah, where they literally are dripping wet kind yep. of thing, I've heard. Um, but, uh, but the mood swings, um, which is what, what is wonderful about that is that does not happen. Um, that does not continue. I think that has something to do with the period though, because, um, the menstrual menstrual cycle, because, um, what I was kind of hinting at earlier is because I would get in this road rage. Then the next day I would have the period and suddenly. Mm, mm, okay. Rose right. Up. Right. Yeah. No, I've, I've uh, worked with some individuals who I uh, worked with a uh, young woman once who she was um, open to meeting a, a, a prospective partner in her life. And she'd say, Oh my God, two weeks out of the month. I'm like, rageful how can anybody want to be with that mm -hmm. she said i don't know what to do with myself yeah um 
you know, and yeah, it was tough, really tough. Yeah, I actually uh, kind of went on a sabbatical for ne- many years uh, during that time period because I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable the idea of being in a relationship um, because it was, I just, yeah, how is anybody going to want to put up with this? But right. also the embarrassment of, you know, when it's getting to the end of the cycle and it gets a lot more um, different, uh, shall we say, than it did when you were a young girl. Um, mm. And so I just, I didn't want that experience in front of a man. It just was um, scary to me. And not I scary, but embarrassing, humiliating. Can you not sure what is it leakage or oh um well okay I didn't want to get too graphic no I'm just can you just hint at it because I don't maybe our viewers don't know in the in the end of the menopause um before I stopped having a cycle at all um it there were some moments where I would go several months without anything I said, all like of a sudden, sudden onset, or and something. then I'd have a makeup session, is what okay. I would call it, and uh, and that makeup session one night it meant I had to um, grab everything I could because I didn't yes, have yeah. enough, and I had I to go to. The, I was at Kroger at two o'clock in the morning buying uh, what were they called? Um, Overnights or something, yeah. um, not not uh, depends, but th- I, I didn't well, realize to catch it right. Yeah, they have these things that like um, what you wore when you were when you first had your baby, right? And you had to wear these very large um, diaper right. type things. Um, so there, these overnights are essentially the same thing, mm-hmm. except for you don't have to wear a garter belt um, mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever they were called. <laughs> Yeah, um, so yeah, so there I was at two o'clock in the morning because I I didn't know is this was going to be all day or how long. So oh my god, well, you don't know. So that's good for our viewers to know just to have it in their mind in case it in case it occurs. So thank you for for being willing to share. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, when, when you are, you're postmenopause, when you've had one year without a period, um, and, um, but what was happening with me was I would get these stop and starts. And so I would be counting down the months in my calendar and then whoops, guess not. We're starting all over again. Mm, mm. <laughs> it was not fun. One thing I have enjoyed is not having a period. So. Yes. Oh my God. Not having to purchase is saving that $7. Oh, it's wonderful. 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 <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> it is wonderful. Not having to wear birth control or use birth control. <laughs> um, not having to use birth control. Oh, lovely. It's so lovely. Freeze you so up. Let's, so let's talk about some of the, um, the perks uh, about, uh, Living longer, living longer on the planet. Um, (laughs) I remember there was some kind of a joke. It's like um, somebody doesn't want to get older, but the but the alternative is leaving. So you might choose you want to get older because you want to stick around. Uh, Ah, yeah. See what's going to happen. 
Yes. To see yes. what's going to happen. Well, I have one more quote that I want to say. Um, I love David Bowie. And uh, yeah, that man was just an amazing um, singer to me. And so I found a quote that he had to say that I just, once again, he's just an amazing person. He was an amazing person. So he says, aging is an extraordinary process where you become the person you always should have been. Mm. Oh my God. Mm. I mean, it's like, uh, it's like, um, uh, like a bottle of wine. It just gets better when it gets oh. older. But, oh, isn't that beautiful? I know. I mean, when he so said beautiful. you should have been, you should have been. I mean, if I could be the person I am now at 20, oh, my life would have gone so different. So that, that brings to mind, brings to mind something that we we didn't talk about and we could just touch on and that is um somebody could get older their body could get older and they might not have matured at all and maturing is yeah. like it's like you know a little baby apple matures into a ripe mm -hmm. fruit um with uh, rich taste and juiciness and whatever else in a metaphor you could use so one of the things that i don't know if this is because uh, our line of work but not everybody in our line of work loves um personal growth the way you and i do um, and i invite all our colleagues to get on board with that because you really um, yeah. when, when you have this kind of training and apply it in your own life, oh my mm -hmm. goodness, um, what a bonus that is. So one of the things I have enjoyed, because it's been my intention to expand my consciousness, see more, have, have like a zoom out view of my life, to appreciate more of the dynamics and the uh, elements and uh, in in my experience of things and then in the interactions I get to have with other people and then to hear from others their growing awarenesses and that you know maybe it's just happened coincidentally along with being on the planet longer mm -hmm. um Although there are many young young people, maybe this is because my appreciation has expanded, many young people have wisdom and common sense and sensibility, even with their playfulness. I've been sort of bringing myself along, you know, I guess every generation is, is different. Yeah. But that maturity, uh, some people say, well, you know, the older I get, the more comfortable I am, the more things I can accept, um, the more discernment I have about things, so less things upset me because mm -hmm. I can see more into them. Mm -hmm. You know, so I just want to make a pitch for maturity. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think it's funny when I look back on my life, and um, I think it's pretty much the same for almost anybody when I was 20 and thinking that I was so mature and that I knew so much about life. And then when I was 30 thinking I am really mature now, I really get life. I'm, I know it all now. 
And then when I was 40 and 50 and now 60, it's like you, you just, um, it's just, um, it's amazing how each decade you look back and you say, no, now I really know it all. Now I really, I, I have it all down pat now. I know life. I get it. <laughs> oh God. That's why when I get, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> well, when I get younger people and I listen to them, I just roll my eyes sometimes uh, when I hear some of the things that they say. Um, that they just just the way that the, the 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 haughtiness, you know, like oh well, I I know this information. I am an expert on this. It's like oh, and you're 20 years old, and you're an expert already. So I'm, I'm often hearing myself say, okay, you know this, you know more than you did, but what don't you know? Good for you. What don't you know? And um, there's a, there is a philosophy um, that um, I've heard, which is something about, um, you know, it's like we all look at life and different things through different lenses. But to be able to adopt the lens of beginner's mind, mm. which you would think, you know, yeah, that's the lens of a little child learning things for mm. the first time. Because everything we see, we do look through colored glasses. And the colors are, like you said earlier, our perceptions that, that have accrued based on our experiences. Mm -hmm. So asking what's another way to, to look at this or what's another way someone could look at this can open us up to enjoy even more about what we're involved in or appreciate more about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, uh, so it doesn't matter how old you are or how old you feel, you can still consider a fresh outlook, um, <clears throat> and even imagine that you're looking at something for the first time. Um, and, and isn't it that, that phrase, I mean, I don't know about in your generation, but I'm thinking about my parents, the idea of you're as old as you feel, or mm. you're as young as you feel. Yeah. So I've had some friends who've been I don't know if this is a Yiddish term, kvetching. Uh -huh. It's a little bit like a, an, ir, an irritable complaining. Oh, I'm so old. I'm, I have, have had a particular friend at age 55. I'm so old. I'm saying, I said, if you keep doing that, you're going to feel old the rest of your life. The truth is you're not that old. Uh -huh. So you don't, you can, if you want to feel that, feel that later. You don't have to feel that now. <laughs> you know, so the kinds of things that we can, that our attitudes may be more malleable than we think <clears throat> by using um, that observer part of ourselves. And if, if you don't have that yet, get some help <laughs> to see how to develop an observing part of yourself. Because mm -hmm. that really takes the edge off and gives you a lot of room to adjust what you think in order to create a container for yourself to fulfill the rest of your desires in your life or accomplish 
things that you would still like to do. And that could be as simple as I'd like to have more time to read, or I've been wanting to play with these art pencils and I never seem to have time. Or, you know, I, I still want to take a walk, but I never have time. So that there's ways to work within yourself to see if you can create opportunities for yourself to have more of what you would like to bring about, mm -hmm. whatever age you're at. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also important that you hang out with uh, other people your age so that you're, you feel supported by that. Um, <clears throat> and um, going hanging out with people your own age when you're getting older, I think helps to longevity in that respect. Uh, it helps you to not feel alone. Um, it helps you to understand, to talk about things like menopause. What did you go through so that you can normalize it and feel um, uh, uh, a sense of, oh, okay, so that's what I can expect. You know, um, I remember after I had my son, a lot of times I would talk to other young women who are getting ready to have a baby and I would share my experiences with them and what it's like having a, a vaginal birth and what it feels like. And I'm definitely not going to discuss that, but, you know, I would discuss it with them um, and I'd say, hey, this is just so you know, this is what you can expect. And, um, and then they'd come back to me later and say, oh, thank God you told me that because <laughs> when it got to that, that last minute piece there, I, you know, what you, the advice you gave me, it really helped. So I think that's really important. A friend of mine, well, I'll let you comment on that and then I'm going to say something else. Um, I no, I, I support that. The, uh, the other thing is, um, uh, that that each one of these facets that we're bringing in, it doesn't have to be all one way or another. That is extraordinarily valuable mm -hmm. um, to connect with others who are um, appear to be at your station in life, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And then also to mix it up. And to spend time with young children, spend yes. time with teenagers. Because um, you have so much wisdom to give right, them. And if you don't have kids, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Go go to a park and hang out mm -hmm. uh, and be present with mothers playing with their children. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and somewhere teenagers or whether it's tapping into something online or where you can get some fresh stimulation uh, uh, in your consciousness. Um, that's Absolutely. the only other thing I would add. Absolutely. Um, what I love is that um, a friend of mine uh, who I've interviewed a couple times on my YouTube videos, she's getting ready with her husband to uh, join a community in Fremont, California, where they're going to, they're designing and building this community. And what it is, is it's a, it's kind of like everybody owns their own condos in this, on this property. Then they have a community building um, where they have to eat a couple of meals every day together as a community. Um, she's in her, they're in their eighties and um, 
And so I think it's such a wonderful concept because um, it's allowing them to live independently. It's forcing them into social, not forcing, you know, putting a gun to your head, but it's putting them into a socialization piece so that they're not alone sitting around their house. Well, they're going there voluntarily. So yes. nobody's forcing them. <laughs> yes. And these are people who are probably not going to be living bedridden the rest of their life. Um, uh, my babysitter, who's 97 years old now, she was, she's now living with her daughter and granddaughter because, um, uh, because she has tendencies to pass out sometimes, but, um, she was for about 20 years, I want to say was living in a, um, it was kind of like, a, a an apartment complex but it was everything was indoors so when you walked out of your door you were still inside um and so this was a senior uh, facility for people who didn't have a lot of money uh it's here in ohio in grove city and um this place and they have like a five-year waiting list for people trying to get in here they had a community facility where they'd have parties and celebrate birthdays and things like that they had um, a bunch of rocking chairs out on the front porch. So in the summertime, pretty much everybody was sitting out there talking to each other. Um, and they also had a system where every day you had to check in with your neighbor, um, mm. you know, make sure you're okay. And if they didn't hear from you by a certain time, then they knew, okay, That's let's great. check on um, Bella and see how she's doing. Um, so I think those kind of things enable people to continue living their life as they wish in their own independent way and keep and ha builds on that longevity because um, they've, when you're alone as an older person, I don't think people last that long as people mm -hmm. who have community and have that um, support system in place, right. the love and the happiness and the mm -hmm. fun. Mm -hmm. Unless they were a loner their whole life and that they, you know, I think you need support because, you know, um, you never know if you're going to become more frail, mm -hmm. which can happen. I mean, this happens. Mm -hmm. um, so it's good to have support set up around you. Exactly. But, um, yeah. But the, lon but the loneliness factor you know, which we really didn't delve into. Um, different people are different. And even if you've been a loner your whole life, you might want people around and, and realize that you could still have that and you didn't have that. And then there's, yeah. you know, people who are used to having people around who mm -hmm. feel a lot of loss. Um, if you outlive your friends and your relatives, Mm -hmm. I witnessed that with my in-laws and my uh, husband's yeah. grandparents. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. I remember my grandmother telling me um, uh, in the last years of her life, she I was sitting with her and she was saying that it's very lonely because she's the only one left of all of her friends. And she doesn't really, it's hard for her to make new friends because, you know, at 80 something years old, um, she was saying that. It, um, she, she didn't have any support systems to meet people. Um, and she was living in a condo uh, at the end of her life. 
Um, and so she, I, I guess she didn't, it was hard for her to meet new people. It wasn't something that was easy for her. Um, so I remember hearing things like that. I think because when you get older, you're facing death, obviously. You obviously know your days are numbered. Um, I'm always counting down and thinking, wow, I technically only have about 20 or 30 years left. <laughs> and that's not a lot. Um, whereas it used to be about, oh, it's going to happen someday. But, you know, when you're getting to that place where you know your days are numbered, and I'm sure when I turn 80, I'm going to be thinking about it even more. Um, but that's when you don't want to be alone because you, 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 you don't want to miss out on something. Um, maybe you're going to see one more thing that you never expected. Uh, you put yourself on mute, Ellen. Um, and, um, and yes, so, there's, there's a lot of sound behind me. Oh, okay. Um, so I think that's important, uh, to not be alone because of those things. And, um, and you don't, you're not as likely to want to sit around your house and do nothing all the time um, when you're getting older. You want to be able to go out and talk to somebody. So that's, I don't know, that's just my thoughts about not wanting to be alone. Well, ideally, it would be nice to be in community. Yeah. Um, and so it's something to think about as we go on in life and um, you know, what kinds of communities can we design for ourselves and others? Mm -hmm. And I think that's great um, what um, your friend is going to. Um, mm -hmm. It sounds like a great idea to me. I'd love yeah, something yeah. like that in the end. Um, um, yeah, I've always thought that the best way to die would be to be in your, I've seen this in quite a few movies, where you're just in bed laying there and propped up on the pillows and you've got your loved ones around you and they're all um, saying how great you were. <laughs> <laughs> and how they're it's okay to leave, it's okay to leave. Exactly, saying it's okay to leave. <laughs> I thought I, I've always thought that that would be such a wonderful way to end my life. Um, and um, and then uh, I lost I had to put a cat down. Mm. And um, when I took Emma to the veterinarian, um, she had some kind of tumor in her body that came there out of nowhere. And I'm sitting there. I'm stand, she's on the table and all these women are around her. Um, including me. So doctor, there was like two vet techs or whatever they're called. And, and I just like, I sat there looking at everybody in the room. I mean, I was in tears naturally, but I was like, wow, this is the way I want to die. You know, <laughs> I mean, it was just reminding me what a beautiful experience it was. And, and also euthanasia. I mean, um, that's obviously what we were doing, putting a cat down. That's something that I've never, I've never could understand why our country is so afraid of the term euthanasia and why they don't allow that when somebody has dementia or their quality well, of life is going to I, be I think it has to do with if, if, if it's the person who's choosing that mm -hmm. or if the family is choosing that. 
for the person. Well, so. <laughs> but it's not legal in America, period. Right, right. Well, yeah. that's a protection against that. I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, to me, it's like, how come we, it's okay to put an animal down, but it's not okay to uh, have euthanasia for, for people. Um, I mean, it's not illegal in other countries. Um, and I've seen documentaries uh, where, I've, you know, you've watched people dying um, from euthanasia. And it, to me, it just looks like such a beautiful experience. Um, and, you know, and you certainly have to have certain conditions in order to do that. I mean, you can't just commit suicide, uh, death by euthanasia. Yeah, no, I think if it's the person's choice, I think. It's yeah, possible. yeah. Um, I agree. The other thing, the la the other thing about all of that, um, I think a person needs to feel okay with death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that that's um, whatever way a person wraps their mind around it, or spiritually, or satisfactorily um i remember my grandfather he was on his way and he let my sister and i know that he had no regrets he was a person who enjoyed everything in his life so you know uh lives are cut short for one reason or another where a person doesn't get to fulfill or have the experiences that they would like um mm -hmm. and then others never really give themselves mm -hmm. the enjoyment of things that they are bringing to themselves because maybe they're into the next moment or wanting something more and not knowing how to to experience something before jumping into the next thing um because i think that it's a common experience i don't know this for sure to arrive at the end of your life through illness or accident or something where you have awareness that you didn't get to finish or have the experiences that you want and, mm -hmm. and you can leave fighting it, um, yeah. wanting to stay, not wanting to leave. Um, so in a spiritual sense, it makes sense to me for myself. I can only speak for myself to see what I can do with making peace with things mm -hmm. while I'm here. Yeah. In the desire. And listen, I can arrive at the end and still have be triggered and things come up. Oh my God, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't know. But yeah. in the meanwhile, I'm, I do my best to really enjoy everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and you touched on something there that you didn't actually give word to, but um, cleaning up your karma. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I've had a couple of past life readings where I've learned that um, I'm uh, re I'm having a life again in this lifetime with people that I didn't clean it up with in a last lifetime. Oh. Okay. So that was enough for me to realize, 
Okay, let me start making a list here of people I don't want to have to go through some karmic journey with again in another lifetime. And I'm going to clean that up so that um, that's being taken care of. So I try to be conscious of that. I know that probably sounds totally weird. No, uh, well, and the, to add, add right to that, you know, I wasn't thinking that, but I'm glad that you brought that up from whatever I was saying that, um, and to my, to me also that plus looking to not create new karma. Yeah. Bad karma. Yeah. Good, good karma. karma. Great. It's okay. Yeah. But not creating new bad karma. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's something that I try to be mindful of um, in life is who do I need to clean up my karma with so that we're not um, on some other journey in the future or something like that. Hot, tied in together in, a, in an unconscious way. Yeah, I think that should be on people's bucket list. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing if people made a point of having a, a bucket list of people that they need to make amends with? before they die so that they've cleaned up that karma um apologize and with the work that i do and that you do mm -hmm. um you know anybody who wants to come to either one of us to <laughs> to do that uh -huh. we'll help you right you'll help somebody who comes to you looking for that Oh, yeah. yeah. Me too. So I mean, to me, it's also known as having personal integrity in this lifetime, not just cleaning up your karma. So I'm it's not always easy. It's not oh, always easy. It's not. And I've known people who didn't clean up their karma before they died with me. Um, and, you know, so that's something they're going to have to deal with in the next life. But um uh, uh, when we have our spirituality talk, maybe I'll bring that up of how they cleaned it up post. That'll be fine. Let's do that. Let's yeah. have a talk on spirituality. They did clean it up post-death in an in a interesting way, but uh, we'll do that in our spirituality oh, talk. But um, yeah, I'm, you know, if somebody wants to clean up their karma with me, I'm very open to that. I mean, I, I've had people clean it up you know no, but i i meant to friend. facilitate to facilitate and help oh. some, and support somebody who's wanting to do that in their life uh-huh yes um i think that's a good idea something that i do um is have people when the person's dead uh that they need to make amends with or clean up something with i have them write letters yeah, and yeah. We talk about maybe having a picture of the person in front of them um, or going to the cemetery, something along oh, those lines. And reading, yes, yes. reading the, yeah. And having the courage to clean up, clean up some things with people who are alive. And yeah. sometimes it means arranging to meet with them. And sometimes it does not. Yeah. It's going to be through letters that don't get mailed or an empty exactly. chip clearing. And there's other ways uh, to do that. So we, we each have our, our ways to help people with that. Exactly. And the name of the article is Forgiving Someone Who Isn't Sorry or Even Alive. It's a great article. Um, it came from one of the psychology books, and I forget who wrote it. So I, I apologize to the author. Um, but... If somebody looks it up, they'll find it. 
So, okay, is there anything that we didn't touch on that comes to us before we close? Um, I don't know. I think we've said a mouthful today. <laughs> Many mouthfuls. Anyway. And so I haven't been feeling very well, so for viewers. So if I seem a little different than I normally do, it's because I'm, I'm uh, uh, just not in the right space today. But... Um, yeah, but uh, um, I I think I think we've we're good. So okay, good. thank you everyone for joining us. We look forward yeah. to uh, the next uh, conversation. Our next conversation, and um, I love being with you, Janine. And thank you, thank you, and hit subscribe, and so that make sure that you will be notified whenever we're having a new video um, available. Terrific. All right. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.